Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN, the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with 97.3 ESPN Eagles and NFL insider John McMullen. Follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. Yes, indeed. We'll get into the NFL. The football schedules are released. Will we get all 16 games on time? We will find out. Johnny Max in the house. But first, Sports Bash Cash. I got a, another code word for you. It's the final day of Sports Bash Cash. All you need to do is enter this word on our website, 973ESPN.com, or download the free mobile app and enter the word discuss right on your phone. D I S C U S S. Discuss. Enter it now. It's powered by Franklin Bank. Visit franklinbnk.com. Enter the word discuss on our website, 973espn.com, and you can win $1,000 of Sports Bash cash and up to $10,000 if you've been playing along each and every day, each and every word. We have another word tonight at 5 o'clock. The final word is coming at 5 o'clock tonight for your chance at one thousand dollars want to congratulate our winners from yesterday's show they each won one thousand dollars on the sports bash by playing sports bash cash at nick cj and baxter congratulations to them they all won one thousand dollars they all have a chance for five uh one ten thousand dollars just like everybody out there playing along mike gale hunter brody here on the sports bash friday yes indeed it's it's uh football at four john mcmullen 97.3 ESPN, Sports Illustrated, and of course, right now on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, John, win-loss, win-loss. What do you got? All right, uh, never mind. Uh, 16 and oh, come on, you know that. (laughs) Yes, we got that yesterday. Uh, As we know, it's very difficult to really – predict what's going to happen but i will ask you know the placement of some of these games you know you get that uh three games in a row at home uh stretch right before the bye there then you got the three road games in the second half of the year you got that brutal stretch where you got to face russell wilson drew Brees, aaron Rodgers. you got kyler murray in there that could be sneaky uh what are your overall impressions of how this thing kind of set up for them uh, there's some good and bad. It's like a typical schedule. They're all basically the same, but, uh, I think you kind of look at where teams are in their particular situations. I, I think it's good to start, uh, against Washington on the road. That's a team that in theory, uh, could be improving. They got a better head coach. They got, uh, a, now a quarterback that's going to be in the second year. Yeah, Chase Young to uh, a group on that defensive line. I mean, it's just first-round pick, first-round pick, first-round pick, first-round pick. And, oh, by the way, another first-round pick uh, all across that front. Um, and, and and at some point, you say to yourself, you know, if you're bad enough, and this kind of is also in the same equation with the New York Giants, if you're bad enough for a, a long time and you keep picking in the top ten, Hey, you know what? Some of those players are going to be really good. And at some point, teams like that are going to turn the corner. So I think it's good that you get Washington early where they're probably uh, still feeling their way uh, with a new coach in a limited offseason. 
similar to Cincinnati very early in the season. You know, Joe Burrow might be a star in this league, but, hey, get him early. He's not going to know what's going on. Uh, I think that's uh, that's very good. And you mentioned some of those quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, throw into the equation. Everybody's got to face good quarterbacks in this league. But when you have them at home, uh, that's better than having them on the road. Yeah, uh, the next question, and we'll get into the quarterbacks that they got to face coming up. But uh, at Washington, uh, I, I do want to start with the Haskins there because, you know, you mentioned the quarterbacks. They've got – uh, the current league MVP, four likely Hall of Famers, the past three number one overall picks, plus you've got Goff a number one pick, and you've got Haskins and Jones who were top, what, 10 picks in the draft. So there's a lot of potential to face some quarterbacks. Now, we don't value Haskins and Jones all that much because they weren't all that good last year, but where do you see Haskins uh, in year number two? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, he's, uh, I don't think you have uh, a big enough sample size to even know. I think Daniel Jones, you have a more legitimate sample size, and I think you know he's got a chance to be really good uh, if he can, you know, kind of cure the fumbling problem. And people have been able to do that. I think you saw the natural arm talent. Uh, so he's a little bit farther along because he's played a little bit more. Uh, but if you look at Haskins late in the season against the Eagles when they were down there, I mean, he played pretty well in that game. Uh, he actually did some nice things. So, you know, there's significant talent there. But I, I do think there's still, uh, you know, Jim Schwartz always always calls it, uh, uh, you know, that uptick where you have to start and, and, and you have to pay the price to it uh, when you put young players out there. Um, and he calls them startup costs. And I, I think Washington is still going through that. And that's why I think it's it's – it's good for the Eagles to get them on the road week one before maybe they start to figure some of those things out in the second half of the season. We had Sal on, and he told us that they have the eighth easiest schedule in the NFL. Does that surprise you? No, I, I'm not a big strength of schedule guy for the simple reason. I, I mean, that has to do with, uh, records from last year, and that has to do with being in a bad division. I mean, that's, you know, you play bad teams. I mean, the Giants were bad, the Redskins were bad, um, and the Cowboys were okay. Uh, and, and the NFC East as a whole was one of the worst divisions. So uh, that's all that means. And it, we know how fluid the NFL is. And, you know, there's worst to first every year in this league. Um and one of the reasons why is because it's a 32-team league, but there's only 16 games. That that means everybody's not playing everybody. It's not an equal playing field. So when you have these first-place schedules versus last-place schedules, you always see these teams jump up who are ready to make that next step, and you see those teams jump down who have to play first-place schedules. So if you're asking me what's a negative, uh, for the Eagles, it's the first-place schedule. They won the division. That means when they go outside the division, and Mike brought up some of those teams, they're playing good teams or projected to be good teams instead of bad teams. And that's the advantage teams like the Giants and Redskins have. So, you know, if you think Daniel Jones is ready to take off, you have Saquon Barkley. I talk about these picks in the top ten. I just mentioned Washington's defensive line. 
if you believe in, in Haskins, if you believe in Ron Rivera, at some point those two teams are going to start getting better again. And that's the concern. Yep, uh, no question. Uh, we we kind of touched on the fact that you can't keep lumping up on those two teams forever, but you got to make sure you do lump up on them why they are still lump up a bull, if that makes sense, at J.F. McMullen, John McMullen. Uh, you know, that first block, that first quarter of the season at Washington, the Rams, the Bengals, and at San Francisco, you know, the Rams are a team that has to travel across the country. Uh, not sure what to think about them. You know, they went to the Super Bowl last year. They were disappointing. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of opponent they seem to be right now, but uh, they still have Goff, the number one pick. He seems to be up and down. It's just a pretty big year for him, you would think. Yeah, no question. I, I think it's a big year for Sean McVay as well as the head coach. I mean, if no, you think no, about no, no. Moving, He's allowed to do what he wants. <laughs> uh, if you think about them moving on from Wade Phillips, I, I just mentioned you know, how quickly this league moves, and, and you are. You're the flavor of the month. Uh, and, and it's called flavor of the month for one reason. The next month is coming, uh, and it can turn on you very, very quickly. And you've seen not only from a standpoint of you're you're moving on from one of the great defensive coordinators of all time, but they've also had some issues from contract standpoints and less need uh, paying uh, people probably uh, a little bit over. Uh, value and, and that has come home to roost and Todd Gurley's moved on and uh, things of that nature. You know, you look at Clay Matthews, they probably shouldn't have brought him in to begin with, but uh, you lose Fowler as well. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald needs some help uh, on that front seven. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you look at a team that was uh, in the Super Bowl, uh, that close to winning the Super Bowl and They've taken a step back. The question is, can they stop or are they going to take another step back? I mean, right now it's so early, it's tough to project, but I would say it's trending in a negative direction for the Rams. No question about that. One of the big stretches for me is that 49ers, Steelers, Ravens stretch week four, five, and six. What should we expect out of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Big Ben? Well, you have to see. I mean, you know, you talk about all the odds are coming out and, and, and the Ravens, for instance, they're the one team that's favored in all 16 games from the early lines. So you know how talented they are. Uh, but one of the things with the Steelers is Ben Roethlisberger is, you know, the odds on favorite to be comeback player of the year. I, and I, I think that's probably a, a pretty safe bet if he's got anything left physically. And, and you you have to put that caveat on it because it is an aging player. It's a player who, let's be honest, is not you know the kind of guy who keeps himself in the best shape. Uh, so that's got to be a concern um, as, as a player like that ages. But from a talent standpoint and, and from a production standpoint, Ben is what he is. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's 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 uh, I for whatever reason, you know, when we talk about these Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and he's a slam dunk every bit the slam dunk that Drew Brees is, or 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 somebody of that nature. I, I feel like most people don't put him in that elite category, and I think they should. And if he's back and he's healthy and he's still got gas in the tank, Steelers are. Steelers are going to be a problem for 
a lot of people, not just the Eagles. They almost made the playoffs last year with abysmal quarterback play. Yeah, I, I agree with exactly. you on the Pittsburgh thing. Uh, when you look at that second quarter, though, it's home sweet home at Pittsburgh, but then Baltimore, New York on a Thursday nighter, and then Dallas on a Sunday nighter. So you got New York on the short week, and the only problem with that is, is like you got Baltimore followed by Dallas. You got New York sticking in the middle on a short week. There, you have that whole overlooking, and you know that kind of comes into play the short week stuff. But at least you got three in a row in Philly, but Baltimore in Philly and Dallas in Philly with New York squished in the middle there. Well, you always hope, I mean, to win the division games, that's so much more important than going out of conference. And as I just mentioned with the Ravens, I mean, uh, a lot of people think uh, they're the best team in football. Uh, A lot of people think they're going to be a a significant Super Bowl contender, which I think is very fair. And as I just mentioned uh, from the early lines in Vegas, they're the only team favored in all 16 games. So that kind of tells you what people think about the Ravens. So I look at that game and say, yeah, it's better to play them in, in Philadelphia than Baltimore. But even if you lose that game, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a concern if you're able to win the division games. Uh, and, and, and I think that's how the Eagles have to look at it. Uh, and the NFC East as a whole, I kind of mentioned from the talent standpoint, from the Giants and Redskins being down so far and getting at least talented players year after year after year in the draft now. Uh, they're starting to accumulate that talent. Um, and then the coaching changes. Uh, I think clearly uh, the Redskins are better from a coaching standpoint. Clearly the Cowboys are better than from a coaching standpoint. The Giants are the one question. Um, nobody knows much at all about Joe Judge. So you have to still see, uh, but it's pretty good chances they're going to be better than they were. Uh, at least. So these these are things that are kind of concerning in the fact that, you know, the Eagles have had a significant coaching advantage in the division for a while now. Uh, that might be slipping at least a little bit and, and from a talent standpoint as well. I mean, you keep adding players like Saquon Barkley and, and, and Chase Young on other teams, eh, you know, that's going to catch up to you at some point. Do you see this as a 10-win schedule? Because I personally have it at 9 wins. Now, there's a couple that can obviously go either or, but I see this under 10 wins. Do you think that they can win double digits? Yeah, I I think they could win double digits. Everything, you know, is, you know, contingent on health, and and that's been an issue for the Eagles for a number of years. And you would think maybe uh, the worm turns just from uh, uh, a luck standpoint. It generally doesn't happen year after year after year after year. We're only age-related, uh, but it hasn't been, been that way for the Eagles. So you would think at some point they'll have a healthier uh, standpoint. But the one thing about the Eagles, and you can criticize them for a lot of things, uh, but I think they build their teams the correct way. They build up front on both sides of the football. They still have a top 10 offensive line. They still have a top 10 defensive line. They, you could argue their top five uh, offensive line, top five defensive line, and they have a quarterback. So any time you have those three things, you got a chance to win 10 games and you got a chance to be in the playoffs. So we can talk about the linebackers. We can talk about 
taking a backup quarterback at you know, 53 overall. Uh, we can talk about the unproven receivers. You, you got an offensive line, defensive line quarterback. You got a chance to win a lot of games in this league. Yeah, John. And then uh, the one area in this third quarter of the schedule, a lot of games uh, are, are tough because you got three on the road. You got the Giants, Cleveland, and Green Bay with Seattle at home uh, squished in the middle. So it's at New York, at Cleveland, Seattle, and Green Bay. Forget the fact that you've had all sorts of troubles with Seattle. You won at Lambeau last year. Hard pressed to think you're going to win there two years in a row. But the Giants in Cleveland, so the three out of four road games, do you at least like the way they were situated? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't like the way Green Bay was situated because it's December. I mean, if you have Green Bay on your schedule, you want it uh, early. Uh, you want it September. Uh, and any time you, you, you have December, you, then you have to hope. Uh, and you have to hope the weather is decent. Uh, and if it isn't, uh, probably going to be an issue for you. So I, I don't like it from that standpoint. I mean, this team can't beat Russell Wilson to this point. So until they do it, it's hard to imagine imagine them doing it. Uh, it's hard to count on them doing it. Uh, so I think that's a mental hurdle they have to overcome. Um, so I, I, you know, it, it, it's not who you play; it's when you play them. So that's I, I put that on everything in every NFL game uh, because something uh, that looks daunting. And we mentioned Baltimore and, and them favored in every game. And that looks pretty daunting, even at home. But guess what? Lamar Jackson sprains his ankle the week before. Right. Not too daunting anymore. Right. All this conversation so, uh, is contingent on people being healthy at the time of the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's why I said, you know, you talk about the Packers and the history and Lambeau Field, December. All that doesn't look good. Uh, you mentioned they won last year. They're probably not going to do it again. All that doesn't look good. You know what? But from Green Bay's standpoint, they got uh, a young head coach and, and a young general manager who seem to think scheme is more important than one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, you know, things could go off the rails really, really quickly uh, for that team. Uh, and that's why we talk about it. I mean, you have to talk about it when the schedule comes out. It's all fun. It's all great. But, you know, just because Green Bay was great for 25 years doesn't mean they're going to be great on December 6th this year. John McMullen, Football at Four. Uh, the last quarter of this season here, uh, the way you break it down, finish strong. You got the Saints at the Cardinals. I think that Cardinals game could be tricky. You got Murray in his second year. You got him Hopkins now. It's on the road. Uh, at Dallas and Washington, so two straight on the road before you open the season with Washington and then close the season with Washington. But having the Saints and then travel on the road for two straight could be an interesting December. Yeah, it certainly could. Uh, and we mentioned having the quarterbacks in, in Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, that that will help. And certainly uh, late, a dome team, um, there you want the weather to be bad uh, in Philadelphia for them. Uh, and that could help you in that kind of scenario. Uh, you know, if you look at last year, you don't have to go back very far. I mean, there were two things that decided the NFC East, the health of, of Dak Prescott and the fact that game number two was here late in the season. Well, game number two is going to be there late in the season. 
So if it does come down to Eagles-Cowboys again, de facto NFC East title game, probably don't like having the Cowboys here early and having to go down there late. Gil and I were talking about that surprise team where heading into the season, you don't really expect them to be that great, and then you find out halfway through the season, whoa, they are a pretty damn good football team. Who do you think that can be on this schedule? Yeah, we likened it to uh, Buffalo last year, that when you saw Buffalo originally, you're like, eh, you know, Buffalo, but they turned out to be a playoff team. Yeah, I I would go, I I think there's two uh, chances. One is Washington, and, and one is Arizona. Uh, Arizona because of 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 the offense and 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 Kyler Murray if he takes that and and a lot depends on Dwayne Haskins but I got to tell you you know if you look at last year you bring up Buffalo I'd argue San Francisco uh, and San Francisco wasn't about Kyle Shanahan it wasn't about Jimmy Garoppolo um, you know Kyle's a, a really good coach not trying to downplay him. But, man, it was Nick Boson, and it was that defensive line. And he was the final piece of an ultra-talented puzzle. And I just look at Washington, and I look at Jonathan Allen, Mm. and I look at Deron Payne, and I look at Montez Sweat, and I look at Ryan Kerrigan, who's still there and people forget about. And then you add Chase Young to that mix, who's supposed to be farther along if anything, uh, than Nick Bosa was, that is going to be a tough, tough group to block. And the Eagles have and had their sudden, the Eagles have had their issues with Washington, even in the down periods here. Yeah, with that front, and, and that front is is so talented, and that's the reason why. I mean, I, you know, if the quarterback can't play, it, it's still going to be really difficult for him. So if the quarterback is just terrible, you know and you can't win 14, 10 games, I mean, it's not going to matter. So Haskins is a big part of it as well. But, boy, I look at that defensive line, and I say, how do you block them? And it's not just the Eagles. Uh, It's going to be the entire NFL. And I think it's going to be a potential San Francisco situation where people wake up and go, my God, look at that front. Uh, I think there's a chance for that, and especially think Ron Rivera and his history and his defense and his understanding of how to utilize uh, talent like that. I, I think Washington is on the precipice of turning this thing around. Jack Del Rio, too, the uh, coordinator down there, he's had uh, some good success turning defenses around as well. So, yeah, that's another tricky team to kind of go on. Uh, real quick before we roll out here, Jason Peters has talked to the Eagles. We talked about that last week. He put this video out where obviously uh, he's trying to look, let teams see that he's working out, but he says he's keeping his options open. Uh, do we have any new info uh, on Peters? Is this just basically, you know, it's going to happen, uh, just not yet? Uh, trying to drum up uh, interest, much like to David Clowney, same type of thing when that report came out. Um, a little bit similar situation in the fact that uh, Clowney admitted one of the issues was the pandemic and, and teams not being able to take a look at him. Jason, same way, but he's older on top of the health problems. So I think that's part of it. But also, uh, Jason's looking for $10 million a year. I mean, that's the word around the NFL. So 38 left, 38-year-old left tackles. I, from his standpoint, I get it because he's saying – 
He's a top 10 left tackle still, and he was last year, and that's a premium position, and it is. But that age comes into it, and I don't know if there's anybody going to be willing to pay him $10 million a year. So I think those are the two issues with, with Jason Peters right now. Yeah, injuries have been an issue. He has started at least 13 games in all but three seasons, but the problem is those three seasons have been the last three seasons, including the Super Bowl where he missed the big game. Uh, but we'll see if Peters is uh, back with the Eagles. That's probably one thing to really keep an eye on over these next couple of weeks. That and then that third wave of free agency, which we will keep an eye on as well. It's a, it's an interesting schedule for the Eagles. You can read more about it at 973ESPN.com. Follow John at J.F. McMullen. Check him out at Sports Illustrated. And every day right here during Football at Four on the Sports Bash. All right, John, enjoy uh, the quarantine. All right, you too, guys. Appreciate right. it. John McMullen, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. And, uh, you know, you break down the schedule in six ways to Sunday, but one thing is for certain that I think when we do our top five at five tonight, we'll have five observations on the schedule. You know, there's a couple of things that we haven't touched on yet that I'm going to bring out during the top five tonight uh, that I think we'll, we, we will be opening our eyes to a little bit more. But the one thing is he mentioned Washington as possibly that surprise team similar to what the 49ers were a couple of years ago. Yeah, I don't know if I can go that way. I don't know if they're ready yet. I'm not saying I, – I like this point, actually. You know, I do like the growth, and you look at these players, and they're young players, and they're exciting, and they're going to be talented. I just don't know if they are ready at this moment to take that next step. Well, and, yes, well, a lot I'm of that's factoring in coronavirus. A lot of that, though, is the quarterback. Very true. Right? I mean, I think – and that's one thing that bothers me about sports a lot is that we pigeonhole these guys into who we think they are so quickly. And because Haskins – what did Haskins play last year? Like, I mean, as, as John mentioned, he had that game against the Eagles where he was pretty good. There's a reason why he was the 15th pick in the draft. I mean, they didn't – he just didn't have a lot of experience even coming into the league. So – um Look, I'm not saying he's going to be the next MVP of the league, but I'm not writing him off. I don't write off a guy who's a first-round pick and he showed some flashes. He certainly showed some flashes, more poor play than good play, but he wasn't in a bond. He wasn't Jamarcus Russell. I can agree with that. And and to be fair, I actually liked him coming out of college. I thought he had a good arm. Like the, He could utilize that arm. The biggest problem uh, for me with him coming out of college was he just didn't have a lot of experience coming out of college. He just hadn't played all that much at Ohio State, you know? Yeah, no, and I and think about it. He's going in an organization that's somewhat of a dumpster fire. It's very hard to succeed Not as anymore, a rookie though. quarterback. I think exactly. that's, that's the difference. I don't think they are that same dumpster fire. Not that Gruden was a dumpster fire coach. I just don't think he had the ability to stand up to. And they got the GM out of there, too. That GM had been horrible. Bruce Allen was just ruining that place. They got him out of there, and I think that might be a big change. Football at 4 presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. These are challenging times, and Rocket Mortgage is prepared to help. If you need mortgage assistance, contact them and their team 24-7 online at rocketmortgage.com. From their home to yours, the team at Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. Mike and Hunter, till 6, coming up. The MGPT Top 5 at 5. Five observations on the NFL Eagles schedule. That's at five. So 
We've been talking football a lot today. We did the football at four. We're going to do the five observations on the schedule at five o'clock. So I wanted to get into a topic that we've been touching on with some guests this week. And it has to do with the last dance and the Michael Jordan stuff as episodes, what, six and uh, one, two, three, four. So five Five and and six six will be this weekend. And I guess this will be him playing baseball. I, I would imagine no, this, this weekend seven and eight, I believe. Seven and eight, and then eight and nine will be yes. There's two more weeks left, so it's seven and eight this weekend. I would imagine this is going to be Jordan and his foray into playing baseball, right? I think that's what we're going to see. I am. I think this is going to be of all of it the most interesting thing of it all. Like. Why did he choose to play baseball? Did he think he was going to make the majors? Like, did he just do it because he just wanted to get away from basketball? Like, did he legitimately think he was good enough to be a major league baseball player? Like, I think this story is going to be really, really interesting. Like, I remember, like, this was all happening, like, and you're like, dude, he's playing baseball. And you talked about earlier, like, you don't watch double A guys. Like, no, they're not on TV. But, like, if Michael Jordan was playing baseball, he was the greatest basketball player in the world in his prime, and he just went and played baseball. Crazy. Well, that's that's why I don't know if we're going to get the real answer. But just think about this, Broads. you got guys all over sports. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. These are guys that were drafted or thought to be very – like Kyler Murray was a first-round baseball pick. Yeah, the this, A's. This would them. be not even – just think if Kyler Murray decided, I'm going to go play baseball and just left the NFL – and you, we'd be shocked right now if that happened. We're talking about Michael Jordan. Murray would be Murray would be a major league player potentially. Jordan hadn't played baseball since high school, and that's why I don't know if we're going to get the real answer. And I say that because there was a lot of speculation. And he hit on the gambling stuff, but did he dive into the gambling stuff to the degree that it was? He said himself, "I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competitive problem." No, you have a gambling problem. That's what you're saying. You're just trying to spin it to make it uh-huh. seem like you don't. So I don't know if we're going to get the true reason on what actually went down because we know that there's so much speculation going on and there's a lot of outside noise on what the reason really was. I don't think we're going to get the real reason. We're going to get something that makes him feel comfortable and he'll give us an answer that you might not know exactly and he'll lean towards something, but it won't be the 100% official reason. All right, so we talked a lot this week about whose legacy was affected the most by Jordan and the Bulls. And we've been hearing a lot of different answers this week. And a lot of people, you know, we, we kind of start off with Barkley because Barkley was in the episode now, I don't think it was Barkley because they only faced the Bulls in the finals the one time. Now, you could say why he was with the Sixers that they kept I think the Sixers got eliminated by the Bulls maybe 3 times in the Barkley era. So you could say that yeah, but I don't know that the Sixers were going to get by the Bulls and then win the next round and like I just don't think those Sixers teams were championship teams. So I don't really think Barkley is the right answer, unless you say that one time that he got a chance to go to the finals and lost, that that ruined his legacy. Like, what about Clyde Drexler, who got beat by him multiple times? What about the uh, the, the Utah Jazz with Stockton and Malone that lost to them a couple of times? Like, those guys there, can you imagine if Stockton and Malone won a championship on top of who they already are? 
Exactly. I think it leans more towards that Utah Jazz squad and maybe a little bit of Patrick Ewing. Those would be the two guys that I lean towards the most with the two teams, you know, the Jazz team and, and that Knicks team. But I always go with Scottie Pippen. I just don't know what Scottie Pippen would be without Michael Jordan. I think he would go down as a good player, a very good player. But he wouldn't be talked about like the way he is now. I would agree. I'm not the biggest Pippen guy in the world. I'm not a hater of Pippen, but I think when he plays with Jordan, he gets elevated. And that's just the way it is. I mean, if you play with Jordan and you win championships, you're elevated. Like, look at what's happening right now with Kyrie. Great player. Won a championship. He had LeBron James. I'm not sure Kyrie is as great as we thought he was. Now that he has his own team, his legacy doesn't seem to be jiving with what he was in Cleveland. He seems to be a disruptor. He seems to be a guy who can't, you know, that Celtics team was supposed to be great because they were good the year before, but they didn't have a star. They went out and got a star, Kyrie, and they were worse. So I think Pippen, while he's such a talented guy, I think his talent was submerged in perfectly next to Jordan. Yep, I am. That's why my answer is Scottie Pippen. Now, I asked Daryl Reynolds, and we had Daryl Reynolds on with the Villanova 2016 versus 18 matchup, and they raised, by the way, over $30,000 in charity. Wow. The number kept continuing to rise after the event was over, so congratulations to them for that. But his response was very interesting. He said Phil Jackson, and he was questioning if other teams around the league would have hired Phil Jackson if the Bulls error did not happen. Wait, so he thought that, so he's essentially saying that Jackson would not have got hired. Go Say this again. So his answer was, I, I asked him, you know, whose legacy was impacted the most because of Michael Jordan? And he went with the response of Phil Jackson. And it's just how you think of Phil Jackson in that era and what he did in other organizations. It started with the Chicago Bulls. Mm -hmm. So did Michael Jordan impact his career that much to the point where we talk about him the way that we do today? Well, I, I will say this. I don't think it's blasphemy to make that comment. And my comment has always been, I feel that we hold the NFL head coach way to in high regard. Phil Jackson's job is, and what he was very good at, was managing the personalities. People act like Phil Jackson was this tremendous X and O guy. He really wasn't the X and O guy. That was Tex Winters who came up with the triangle, as you've seen in these Last Dance episodes. Phil Jackson wasn't some tremendous Zen master coach what he was was a Zen master of the personalities. He knew how to keep Dennis Rodman happy. He knew how to keep the guys on the bench happy. And he knew how to keep Michael Jordan happy. That's the role of the NBA coach. These idiots out there who think this NBA coach is some magic wand waver that comes up with all of these plays they just don't understand the game at the at the professional level because, well, I played in high school. Yeah, the high school coach has a lot to do with the game because they overcoached the game. They have too big of a role in the game in college and, and, and in high school. But in the pros, that's not the case. The star players then supersede the coach once they get to the pro level. So Daryl Reynolds is on to something there.
I was going to say, it seems like you're kind of agreeing with him. Now, I love that you brought up the head coach of of high school basketball and AAU basketball because when that Ben Simmons report just came out by Jackie McMullen on ESPN, one of the things was his old coach, his old high school coach came out and said, I would sit him until he shoots. That's great. You can do that in high school basketball. We're talking about the professional level, and people do not understand that the professional level, it's on these athletes more so than anybody else. Anybody else. It's these athletes. So I think Daryl is onto something as well where, you know, we talk about Phil Jackson during that kind of fell apart later on when he came to the NBA with the, the Knicks. But he was looked at as this insane head coach because of how great Michael Jordan was. Yeah, now keep in mind, he went to the Lakers and ended up winning three with them as well because he had Kobe Bryant. Exactly. So it's hard to quantify. Here's the one thing I do know about Phil Jackson, and it's not fair to say Phil Jackson, the coach, and Phil Jackson, the executive, should be judged the same, but he was a monumental failure with the Knicks because the Knicks had no talent, and he couldn't figure out how to get talent. So would he be able to work as a coach with lesser talent than having the greatest player of all time and then the greatest player of the next generation on his team? That remains to be seen. And I don't think it's fair to knock him because of that, by the way. I don't think so either. No coach. How many coaches are going to be able to start winning a lot of stuff? People claim that Eric Spolscher is a coach that wins more than he should without legitimate talent. They're always in the middle of the pack. But I always say, you know, not. it's not as if these Miami Heat teams have nobody. And people always want to go to Miami because of the place that it is and because of the taxes. Like, he's always getting some sort of talent. And that's not to knock Eric Spolscher. I think he is a what coaches do but he's not some magician that can snap his fingers he won a championship with who okay Dwayne Wade he won a championship with LeBron James I mean he's winning championship when he has talent that's what matters the talent matters supersedes everything in the NBA just add another layer to the Phil Jackson thing. Remember, he had trouble getting a job in the NBA he was slaving away in the CBA in the early to mid 80s because of the fact that NBA teams looked at him as a pariah because of how different he was from other coaches because he had that book that came out in the 70s about how he was doing drugs and his time with the Knicks and how weird he was and he would go to things like the Combine in Chicago and the other owners and GMs wouldn't talk to him. The only guy who would talk to him was the guy who scouted him when he was in college, Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause knew more than everybody then apparently. I have more respect for Jerry Krause than most. It's funny. The short, fat guy went out and found the tall, thin guy and said, I need you to be my beard. Now, do you think he did that for a reason? <laughs> if if Phil Jackson was short and fat, would he be the head coach of the Chicago Bulls? No. Uh, well, maybe like Stan Van Gundy's a portly gentleman. I mean, yeah, there's some guys in the NBA that are coaching that don't have a but great... Je- but Jerry Krause didn't pick him. So Jerry Krause, the short, fat guy, needs to go out and get a, a coach. Is he choosing another short, fat guy? Uh, good point. But Larry you know, Brown the, point, tall. The, the thing, though, like, see, this is why I'm not discounting what you said, Josh, but all these guys have a story as to what held them back or why they didn't get a chance, and it's a lot of per, um, relationships and knowing somebody to get that first chance. Krause found 
Jackson, when he was coaching in the CBA, he introduced him to the coach, and the coach just simply didn't like the way he was dressed. You know, like he didn't like the fact that he was very casual and kind of hippie-ish, and therefore he didn't want to hire the guy. And then finally, after the next coach came in, Doug that's Collins. when Doug Collins, then they brought him back and said, all right, we'll put him on our staff. And then that's when, you know, so once you get that chance, it's what you do with it. And now, did you like that Doug Collins part? Did that hit different for you now that, you know, he spent some time with the Sixers? How, how was the Doug Collins era for you? Well, Sixers wise. Sixers? I hated it. And I hated it because all these moronic people out there got excited because they brought Doug Collins back, a former Sixer who was the first overall pick, oh, and he was a broadcaster. You know, these guys who are broadcasters and then get jobs, people get so excited about them because they like them as a broadcaster. So they're like, their celebrity as the broadcaster supersedes the celebrity they had as a player that washed away and then comes back when they're the broadcaster. And people thought that Collins, who was a good broadcaster, would then be... I thought as the Sixer coach, he was terrible a couple of years ago. I thought he was horrible. Now listen, you're talking to a yeah. Flyers guy who has been dealing with the old... Let's bring back all the old guys to be in the front office. Get them the hell out! They stink. Well, and my reasoning isn't that I thought he was a bad X and O coach, because quite frankly, whatever his X's and O's, I don't care. I thought he was a bad manage, manager of, of personality. I thought he suppressed the younger players and didn't play them. Nick Vucevic, he wouldn't play. That guy turned out to be pretty darn good, right? He wouldn't give the younger guys a shot. This is what I talk about. Collins might have been a good X and O coach. But he was a terrible guy dealing with personality. That's why I thought he was a terrible coach. He might be a great X and O guy, but that's not what wins in the association. Back with more on the Sports Bash Live. Don't forget top five at five. Bash Cash up to $10,000 is coming today at 5 p.m. Mike and Broads, Sports Bash Live at Mike Gill Show on Twitter at Broads81. Uh, text board is open, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973 on the text board. A couple texts came in, which I don't really agree with, by the way. Um, one, which was, uh, come on, McMullen, Debbie Downer. You should play the Debbie Downer music from Saturday Night Live when he comes on. He has the Eagles going 3-13. and 13. I thought John said... He thought they could win 10 games, right? That's not Debbie Downer. 10, 10 wins isn't a Debbie Downer season. How was that a Debbie Downer at all? I was the one, if anything, that might have been more Debbie Downer. I said nine. Right. You went nine as the uh, kind of the height. Not the height, but like what your expectations were. John was around 10 and South Powell had 11. I'm kind of in the 9-10 area. I'm going back and forth. 9-10, 9-10. But 9-10, and 10, though could be a significant difference on where they land. No question. If they won 10 last year, they would have really waltzed with the division. Nine put them in a battle till the end. Now, one question that came in, Dan from EHC said, where in the world do you see the Cowboys squad was so much better than the Eagles last year? I think it was very clear that the Eagles had a ton of injuries and the Cowboys were relatively... A healthy team. I mean, they had Zeke Elliott. They had most of the offensive line. Uh, they had Cooper, Dak Prescott. All season long, they had that group of guys. On the defensive side of the ball, Lee was hurt. Vander Esch got hurt late in the year. But for the most part, they were intact up front. 
Uh, the Eagles just didn't have a receiver. They lost Jordan Howard. I mean, they were losing guys. Uh, they lost Peters I mean, in and out for some of the season. They ended up losing Brandon Brooks. They lost Lane Johnson. Um, and we're not even looking on the defensive side of the ball yet. So I think it was pretty clear that the Cowboys just had a healthier team. Now, if the Eagles were healthy, look, if the Eagles had Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, I think they would have ran away with that division last year. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know if any team really runs away with this division every year. Like, there's no, like, wow, they just dominated insanely. Here and there, don't get me wrong, but if you look at a window, for the most part, it's a battle until very late into the season. So I don't know if they would have ran away with it, but maybe a one game that's more comfortable compared to what they were last year. They wouldn't have to sweat it out as much. Maybe it would be a one-game difference or so. But no doubt that the Cowboys had more talent than the Eagles did. That last game that they matched up, which was very important for the seeding. I thought for sure. Um, and keep in mind, the injuries by the end of the season for the Eagles were were even worse, and yet they were figuring out a way to win. And, you know, you go into this season with guys that they had on those teams, Greg Ward, Boston Scott, Perkins, you're wondering what kind of role they're going to have moving forward. I mean, they helped you win games last year. What's their role moving forward? Are they just slipping down the depth chart more? And does that make you a stronger team? You know, I talked about yesterday the tweet from Lewis Riddick that he tweeted out that the Eagles offense um, is going to be a problem. And we talk about a lot. I wrote it down in terms of the depth chart, like, you know, someone's saying, you know, they should have drafted a wide receiver or whatever. Yeah, that would be great, but where are these guys? So I said, what? So you can complain that the second-round pick isn't getting enough touches? Like, the depth chart at wide receiver with the tight ends and the running back, the touches on this team, I don't know how they're going to get Boston Scott touches. I don't know where they're going to get Greg Ward touches. And those guys were a big part of why they got to the playoffs last year. Yeah, I, I would say, though, that, you know, I can't. play more than half the games i can't expect all these other things to happen so with that being said it's when you go back to your other players you're not falling back on the rob davises of the world and you're falling back on other pieces instead but that doesn't mean the second round pick is going to be on the practice squad i know you're thinking that and you're going to come after me well right it's just they can't fit all these guys i mean it's nice to say we have all it's like the boston celtics a couple of years ago it was nice to say we had all these guys but you can only get them so much playing time. And right now, you look at a healthy Deshaun Jackson, if he's back, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. Um, right there, that's four guys plus J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, a second-round pick from last year. He would be five. Uh, Jalen Rieger, the first-round pick, that's six. It's a lot of guys to try to get another second-round pick on the field.